0: Today's episode of the Villain News Podcast is brought to us by our good friends at Giordana. Hey, you probably heard some cycling friends mispronounce the name of the Italian apparel company as like Giordana or Giordana. Uh, it's Giordana. The entomology is related to the River Jordan. Uh, The Giordana Sagittarius logo has been a staple of the pro peloton for decades, made in Italy for cyclists by cyclists since 1979. Thanks to a long history of partnerships with top pro teams in the sport, they have the knowledge to deliver clothing that the pros rely on. Today, it's not just Mitchelton Scott and Astana that benefit. Jordana's goal is to empower every rider to reach new heights. That's the drive that constantly pushes them to create and innovate. Everything Jordana makes is designed to enhance cycling performance and enjoyment, whether you're a professional racer or a weekend warrior. Uh, Check it out right now. Jordana has a special deal for listeners of the VeloNews podcast. Head over to jordanacycling.com. That's G-I-O-R-D-A-N-A cycling.com to see what's new and for a limited time you can get 25% off your purchase when you use the code podcast Uh, 25% that's pretty good deal I suggest everyone take uh, advantage of that again it's jordanacycling.com podcast is the special code you get 25% off so thank you so much to Jordana for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast okay let's get on with the show Uh, Welcome back to the Vell News Podcast. Fred Dreyer coming to you from a Tuesday snowy Boulder, Colorado. I thought that uh, winter was behind us. I was wrong. I'm always lulled into complacency. Uh, This time of year we get some sunny, nice days and then bam, hit over the head with some snow and cold weather. Uh, No matter. I'm inside like you're probably inside. uh, Working from home. Staring at – Google Hangouts or Zoom screens at your coworkers and marveling at their strange extra bedrooms and you know offices and other maybe that's like the kitchen they're using as their office. Uh, no Zoom chats today with Andy Hood or James Start. I have some special guests, some special interviews. Um, the theme of this week's episode is all about Zwift and indoor virtual cycling. If you've been uh, going on the site, you've probably seen some stories that uh, we've done in the last two weeks about some of the pro-am Zwift racing that has started and how all these teams and riders are organizing their own Zwift rides because Zwift and other virtual cycling platforms, it's kind of the only thing going right now. Um, I full disclosure, I have like, I have totally broken down and watched Zwift races. Um, One Zwift race I watched was kind of weird. Didn't really know what was going on. A couple of the other ones I watched, they were pretty enjoyable. I got to say, you know, you didn't know who was going to win. There was the thrill of the unknown. Plus, the races were really short, which I thought was pretty cool. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, nothing's going to beat settling down for a couple hours on a Sunday to watch Rupert Flanders. But uh, carving out like 35 minutes to watch a Zwift race on the computer um, wasn't uh, wasn't terrible, especially on a weekday. It was like a good brain break. So I watched some of the Zwift races. You can check out some more of the Zwift classic series. We're going to be broadcasting them on the site. But anyway, um, if you're new to Zwift racing like I am, um, my guess is that you could probably use some – like an expert to help us better understand it. So I called up two experts um, for this week's episode of the podcast. The first is Leah Thorvalson. So Leah was the winner of the inaugural – Zwift Academy Talent Search back in 2016. She um, won the competition, which earned her a two-year contract, or a contract with uh, Canyon SRAM, and she raced professionally on the road for a few years. So we're going to talk to uh, Leah all about the weird, wacky world of Zwift racing, Zwift community, which you need to know about, like, watching and participating in the Zwift race. Um, And then second half of the show, I called up Ashley Moolman-Pazio, who is a veteran pro road racer. On CCC Live, because I was watching the Zwift race on Monday. It was a women's Zwift race, uh, Trofeo Bologna, and Ashley just crushed everybody and won in dramatic fashion. And Ashley's been hosting some rides. She's been tweeting about it. And so I rang up Ashley to get her take on how Zwift has impacted the pro road peloton and her and has given her sort of a new um some new motivation to train. I mean, she's out there in this beautiful corner of Spain, like some of the best riding in the world, but like in many countries, I mean, no going outside. She has to stay indoors because of the quarantine. And so she's been riding um, virtual miles on Zwift. Um, Again, as in past week's episode of the lockdown edition of the villainies podcast, apologies in advance for any audio breakups, babies crying, um, you know, bouncing my fingers on the desk um you know the level of professionalism we're trying to keep it high here at the velonies podcast but um every now and again there are lapses because i cannot control the environment i'm in um in fact oh there's my my, my little doggy just walked into the office okay doggy, we're recording the podcast go on there buddy all right without further ado let's get to leah Thorvalson, and then we're going to hear from ashley mulman Pasio. Hey, Leah was the first ever winner of the Zwift Academy Challenge back in 2016. That's where Zwift had um, cyclists race on Zwift. And if they won, they'd get a chance to race with the World Tour team. She raced with the uh, Canyon Stram team for 2017, 2018. So Leah knows a lot about in real life World Tour racing and Zwift racing. So Leah is going to be our... Guide to the wacky world of Zwift racing. <laughs> Leah joins us now. Leah, thanks for making time for the Vela News podcast.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Leah, I don't even know where to begin with this. I, I felt like a good place <laughs> to begin would just be rem- trying to think back to some of your earliest memories of participating in Zwift events, what the weirdest part of them were, and how you got beyond the strange nuances. Of virtual cycling
1: sure well you know to be honest as far I mean I've I've, I can think back to Zwift and events as far as you know I started Zwifting um I guess around February of 2016 I, I really started cycling the the summer late summer early fall of 2015 and then was having some surgery so I ended up on Zwift on the Zwift platform um early in 2016 but I was just riding, and then I kind of transitioned. I started doing the Zwift Academy, so I would get into group rides and workouts. But I really didn't have too much experience racing on Zwift because I went from the Zwift Academy then to racing with Canyon SRAM. And, of course, I still used Zwift sometimes as a training tool, but I was my racing focus was obviously built around the calendar of the professional team. So it just wasn't something that I looked to. So it was really just within the past – year or so I guess that I um you know they started this having these pro-am league races and initially I was contacted asking if I would like to be part it it was um I was no longer on Canyon Sram at that time so they had I think three or four professional teams and then they had community teams and I was part of what was called the Zwift Academy Dream Team and it was um all riders who had been semifinalists or finalists. I think I was the only one who had been a winner because at that point, the other winners were still on the team, um, on the, on the in real life team. So it was, it was a lot of the semi-finalists from that year. Anyways, that was the first team that I was on and started racing in that pro am circuit. And the prior to that, the only experience I'd really had was doing some, races that mostly were men. If you jumped into the women's races, it tended to be, you know, much like a lot of American in real life races, the fields are very small. And then, you know, you have to race in a category based on your FTP and watts per kilo. So if I entered a race with the men, I had to be with the A men and I really wasn't strong enough to race the A level men, but I couldn't race the B level men and then racing with the So my experience prior to the pro am series starting was trying to race the A men, getting dropped, and it was just a time trial because I'd be alone. Um, so the pro am races were neat because it really brought out larger fields of women. I think, I think in those early races there was, depending on the race, there was between you know 40 to 70 races or women racing. So that was neat because it was a more level playing field. You know, it's not that there weren't any A-level racers out there prior to the Pro-Am series. It's just that we were sprinkled in so many different events. There wasn't enough kind of to go around. (laughs) So putting us getting these events where you are guaranteed a good field of women of similar caliber made it a lot more fun and interesting because you're able to hang on and actually play the game instead of. You know when you're with the a level men, it's like i was it was a matter of telling how long can I stay with these guys before I get dropped and then ride in the rest of the race as a time trial um, I feel like I just took a major tangent and I've sort of forgot what the actual question was
0: <laughs> no I mean, you talked to us about you know the fact that there weren't these uh, pro-am races and that in the, even in the last year, these pro-am races have gotten to be organized and, you know, it's a lot of women who are a a bit on the same level. And I think the interesting thing here is that we're now starting to pay attention to these pro-am races because there aren't in real life races and we're seeing some world tour riders and even stronger teams participate in these pro-am races, um, and, and do very well in them. Today we saw Ashley Momopassia win the race in Bologna. Um, I guess the next question for you is that, you know, so tell, take us through the ebb and flow of one of these pro am races. It's one of these top Zwift classics races or a tour of Watopia. How long is it? What do the, and then, you know, if, if a normal road race, you know, there's like a neutral rollout and then there's some sprint points and then everyone is like going for the sprint at the end or the, you know, there's team tactics and stuff like that what's the big difference you're seeing in one of these between a traditional road race and something like a Zwift pro-am race?
1: Well, I'll I'll highlight some of the big differences for you because really it might be a shorter conversation for me to say, what is the same, (laughs) you know, and other than, I mean, you're, you're on a virtual bike and in the real world, you're on a real bike and you know, you're, it's going to hurt. You're going to put out a lot of power. That's kind of seems like where the similarities end. Um, being a great tactical racer, Um, there are tactics you can learn to play in Zwift, but you can be the worst bike handler in the world and you could still do pretty well on Zwift if you're if you're strong and you know the tactics to play in a Zwift race. Um so they're very different. Um but point out the biggest differences, number one, is there is no such thing as a neutral rollout in Zwift. Even if you're in a race that has a quote unquote lead-in prior to the actual start of the race. You, <laughs> you will not see the Peloton if you take that neutral rollout, like a neutral rollout. I mean, neutral rollout in real life is, it's very serious. You, there's no attacking. There's no, there's not a lot of watts. You're you're held back until, you know, they wave the flag. Zwift, when that banner drops and the clock goes to zero, you better already be revved up to, I don't know about, for me, it's about 280 to 320 watts for the first minute because otherwise you will miss the first selection. Um, And that started to change. You know, I know we talked a bit before we got on the actual recording here about um, the level of the racing, even in the pro-am invitational races, just over the past few weeks. And I attribute that to the quarantine and to more people getting more experience on Zwift, getting more exposure, whether it's in these races or the community races, learning kind of how to manage um, the way, you know, the, the slight delay that you might feel in power, like how to actually catch the draft and where is the best place to sit in the position in Zwift, um, learning the courses and what points are, you know, good places to expect a move to be made, how to watch other and observe other riders and know when somebody else might be making a move as people are spending more time on Zwift and learning those things, the level of competition has, seriously elevated um and that was one of the probably one of the things that somebody would learn after even doing one swift race is that if they're not spun up and ready to roll off that line full force you know I know the first couple of pro am series that we had you'd see a selection of 20 to 30 riders sometimes within the first 2 minutes of the race because probably somebody who wasn't super familiar sat there, waited for the zero, you know, the tamp, the banner to drop and then started going and you can forget it. The others are off the line. So that's one of the biggest differences I think is you are going, I I haven't really raced cyclocross. When I I say really, like I've sort of raced it, I haven't raced cyclocross. (laughs) Um, but people say it's comparable to a cyclocross start that it's just very aggressive right from the beginning. Um, it will usually settle down then after a minute or two, um, but you're always there's not really any rest period. I have been in some other races in like community races with um any of the races that are getting live streamed now tend to attract a bit larger field, and if it's you know say a 40k race, which for Zwift compared to these pro am races it's that's a fairly long race, then you'll see a little bit of you know a selection might be made and the lead pack might ease off slightly to where you can kind of recover. These pro am races um this last this series going on right now is with classics they they're about 25k. Um the last series, the Tour of Watopia, they were about 16k. So there really is no let up. I mean, you might have like if there's a sprint or if there's a KOM you're going to have a surge, but even when you're backed off, it's like I know <laughs> the the first couple Tour of Watopia races I set all-time best 20 minute power because you just aren't ever even though you do catch a draft of sorts on Zwift, it's different from in real life. Like if you if you ease off the power for a couple seconds, you will find yourself quickly out of the back.
0: Yeah, and from that uh, perspective, I mean, I've had people tell me that it's a lot more like a time trial effort, where you know yes. you are always putting effort into the pedals, and it's just a matter of like choosing where along the course you're going to ramp up and learning how to play the game and and these types of things which I don't know I've actually appreciated you know I look I love watching in real life bike racing it's what I do for a living I love watching the classics and stuff like that and Tour de France stages but you know there's hey the early breakaway forms and then you have a lull in the action and then it's a question of who's going to take up the chase and are there climbs where people are going to go hard on an attack and like there's a pretty regular ebb and flow that you get used to over the course of like watching four hours of bike racing. Whereas a Zwift race, a lot of them tend to be these just like slugfests, a battle of attrition where, you know, you start with a group of 40 and by midway through, there's only like 15 or 16 people left. And then, yeah. you know, then then the rest of the race, depending on if it's, uh, it's a points race where they're going for sprint and QOM points along the road, it might break up there. Or if right. it's like we saw today with this uphill finish, you know, it's just sort of like the strongest rider. I mean, it, Zwift yeah. racing definitely feels like the strongest rider is going to win.
1: It is. And, you know, and this, this series is different as well, because, you know, this was a, this was a scratch race and the previous race was a team points race where the previous series, the tour of Watopia, it was a three race series. All the races were pretty short. All of them were scored by teams. And there was a, but there was a, um, a general classification across the three races. So then you got to see, and I I don't, I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's, it's just different, but there was a bit more, tactics maybe because there was specific riders rather than each race is every rider for themselves even if they're part of a team it was more there was more of that in the races with the general classification because you kind of you know you were looking at you knew specific riders were were a threat to the overall standings so yeah it's 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 learning the tactics and knowing which type of race is being raced and what that series looks like all is going to kind of play into how the races will unfold.
0: What are the common mistakes you see when someone from the world of road racing jumps into their first Zwift race?
1: Um, I think the, probably the biggest one would be what I had already said was just the, you know, going hard off the line and being prepared to make that, possible first selection but Mm -hmm. as you know it's gotten bigger where i think you know previously you might see only 20 or 30 made the first cut now i think the there's only a few getting shelled right from the gate so that's gotten better i think the other thing is not knowing the courses Um, because if you haven't raced in Zwift very much and you just don't know the feel of the tip, the, what kind of gradient is in the road. And, you know, it's marked, it's, you've got a mini map up in the upper right-hand corner of your screen where you can watch, but when you're red line, you're pretty much just looking at the riders in front of you. So if you know a course and you kind of, you know, you've ridden uh, hundreds of kilometers over it in your training, you know exactly where the dips and the rises are and know to make those moves. So I think that's somebody just coming in and saying, okay, well, I'm, I've got this much power. I'm strong. I can go in here and just, just follow, Follow the group, but if they don't know something's coming, they're just not prepared for those moves and then I think the other thing probably is not knowing, understanding or knowing knowing the the power ups not knowing what they do, mm-hmm. not knowing where they're coming from, and not knowing how best to utilize them both in terms of um for example, one of the power ups you can get is a truck and it makes it gives you double the draft or uh, it, it multiplies the draft that you're getting. And if, but it doesn't work unless you're on someone's wheel. So if you're off the front and you drop a truck power up, it's useless. I think that's just the things you might not know. And then, you know, that the helmet power up, which makes you more arrow for 15 seconds. If you, There's a timing to it. And I I can tell you that the timing matters. I can't tell you that I've particularly mastered it. I know I've I've waited too late to drop my helmet, you know, thinking you're going to kind of slingshot off everybody else making their final sprint to the finish line. And you know, oh, I'm gonna drop my helmet a little after everybody else's and catch their draft and then go zooming past them. and it, it, it's it, there's definitely a perfect timing to it. <laughs> and I've, I've screwed it up a couple times. <laughs> but but I think that's something that you know, I'm playing with, and I kind of know how, even though I've done it incorrectly, but I think that's something that if you're not ever in the game and you don't know what those do or how long they last or at what point to drop them, that's definitely a disadvantage.
0: Dropping trucks and dropping helmets. I
1: like dropping it. trucks and helmets, yeah. <laughs> and and the ghost. There's you know, there's another power up that makes you invisible for fifteen seconds, I think, or ten seconds or something. And it's I mean, it's a hard one to watch for, but sometimes, you know, looking to the people looking to the list of names on the right, and if you see somebody's watts per kilo numbers go orange that's an indicator they're either about to make a sprint or maybe they're going invisible and they're trying to get away without anybody seeing them there. So that's kind of another one where if you just, if you just don't know what it is and suddenly you're like, what the heck this person is, you know, hundred meters up the road. How did that happen? It's like, well, their ghosts.
0: <laughs> Something I've appreciated about following the Zwift series over the last um, two weeks or so has been the personality stories and some of the people who are actually really, really good Zwift racers. So, in the second Zwift Classics race, it was actually won by a 17-year-old kid in his uh, uh, the basement of his parents' house in Italy, and he's a very, like, very accomplished cyclocross racer and everything like that. But he's just he's a really good Zwift racer. I wrote about the Team Hino squad, where you know they're. Uh, Louise Hoback as a mom. There's a couple of moms. There are people with day jobs. Yeah. You know, yeah. they talked about how they're not the best pack riders. But when it comes to Zwift racing, they're these, you know, great TTers and can put out a lot of um, Watts. And so it seems like Zwift is also opening the door for some people to shine who, you know, maybe are not the traditional from the traditional cyclist mode of, you know, having the ability to go train for four, or five hour road races and yeah. you know, uh try yourself in the pack. I mean, who are some of the people that you've gotten to know through the Zwift community who maybe fit that mold?
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many. I don't even you know, I don't even know hardly where to begin, but I'll just what I was about to say, and I'll make it work into this too, is another piece of that is the people that, you know, I'm on, I'm on a team with Mm -hmm. and there's only, my mind has still got a little bit of that race fog in it, but I think, I think, okay. There's two women on my team who I've actually met in real life. The others (laughs) I've never, but we've got a WhatsApp chat going. We get in these races together. It's like, I feel like I know all of them. So that's another piece of it that it's like you get to know these personalities. But um, just to put into perspective, um, some that fit that mold, I would say Helen McKay is (laughs) she's a super, super strong racer. She's um, 40 years old and not a mom, but she lives in the UK. She's made the Zwift Academy semifinals twice, I think. Um, And she's just a hilarious person like she definitely, on top of being able to just put out some serious watts and show up time after time on any course that we race, she's one I can always count on to drop something hysterical just to lighten the mood or, you know, kind of take the nerves away before a race is gonna start. She's definitely kind of the team comedian. Um and she's I, I wish I could give you some statistics because she's had some impressive accomplishments in real life as well, but not, it wasn't like national titles. Um, maybe some masters national titles actually, but, um, yeah, she's definitely a standout. Mary Wilkinson who rides for the Canyon ZCC team was a Swift Academy finalist. Um, she's won some hill climb championships, I believe in real life. Um, but actually she's sat up the last couple of races because her, I don't know if it's year round, but right now she she does lambing, like raising and birthing. And I don't know. I'm probably doing a total disservice I, to trying to describe follow what lambing her. On,
0: is. Uh, I follow her on Facebook and there yeah. are lots of cute lambs so it's, being it's born. Just,
1: <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny, you know, because you're used to, if you follow cycling and you follow the top level pros in real life and you look at their instagram stories the majority of them it's bikes 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 which makes complete sense but then you follow some of these swift racers and they're obviously very strong riders um take their swift racing really seriously may do some in real life racing too but their instagram feed might be full of lambs <laughs> it's just kind of like very serious very strong talented athletes but it isn't their entire life and i'm not, and i hope that doesn't come across as a, judging on either side it's just kind of like you said it's kind of fun to see the personalities of these people who it's kind of like um like nobody's day job nobody's full-time day job is racing Zwift so it's kind of like the 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 in quotes pro world of Zwift racing for people who's the majority of us our full time deal is something else.
0: Well, and you fit that mold as well. I mean, you have a full time job. You're a former elite I runner. I don't, but you I'm don't. looking
1: for one. Are you looking for one?
0: <laughs> but you, uh, you know, you were uh, you came from a background of running, and then had gotten into yeah. cycling and did Zwift and, and got the Zwift Academy. A victory and then went and raced with Canyon SRAM. I mean, what do you remember from those first few experiences of stepping into high level in real life oh, road man. races, both areas in which you felt like you were, you know, prepared for it because of being a Zwift champion, but other areas <sighs> where you were like, Oh my God, this is really different than racing on Zwift.
1: I was all that second part. <laughs> there was, there was no part of me when I joined that team. Um, now try not to get emotional about it because for some reason when I talk about it, I, I, I get, I mean, in a good way, like it's fond memories, but it was really a pretty terrifying experience. Like I would do it again in a heartbeat and it was probably what will go down as the best couple of years of my life. Like that is an experience. Like some people try to get that their whole life. They dream of that their whole life and they'll never get there. I got to live it and experience it. But the only piece that I knew that I had going in was power. And in the real world, power doesn't get you that far, except that when you're falling off the back, because you're scared to be that close with the other riders, you won't get dropped as quickly, but eventually you will. And I did get better. I did improve, but walking into pro bike racing, when literally I had never raced in a field of more than 15 to then suddenly be on Belgian roads with a hundred women who have been racing bikes since they were 10. I, 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 I'd be, (laughs) it would be absurd for me to tell you, I felt like I was prepared. I knew I had the strength from Zwift, but I was seriously lacking in the bike handling skills and the comfort of being in a Peloton full of people. So really Zwift racing for me is sort of, it's it's perfect. I mean, I love in real life racing as well. And I still do some well, not this year, but I will still do some on the US circuit. Um, but the Zwift racing kind of lets me use the one piece that I was better at. Um, <laughs> it's it's my, my power is much more useful on Zwift than than it was in the pro peloton.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate the honesty in that answer. Yeah, I I mean,
1: you know, it is what it is. And I think, and it, and it's changed a lot. I mean, I say this all the time and people, I think some people kind of think I'm being modest or putting myself down. And I'm absolutely not. What I accomplished was cool. I think the fact that I didn't give up in some of those scenarios where it was, I definitely, the thought definitely crossed my mind in the first few races in the pro peloton of going to my manager and saying, I don't think I can do this. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do it or that I wasn't enjoying it. It was just that li- really it was terrifying. Um, and, but uh, but I stayed there and I, I mean, I give credit to what I did. But I would never win Zlift Academy today. And that's that's just it's evolved to what it was always meant to be and what it should be. And it's a truly accredited now talent identification program. I got in at the right place in the right time. And I, I mean, for sure, I'm a strong rider, but somebody with less than a year of experience on a bicycle simply wouldn't make it through to the semifinals now because they're looking at how much experience you have because they saw what happened and I mean I was a good ambassador for the team and for Zwift and I think I did I did well under the circumstances but there were certain skills missing that if you're going to be on one of the top teams in the world you really need to have so it's just a different game now and um and I'm so, so happy that I got in when I did, because it, I I would not trade those two years for anything.
0: Well, thank you so much to Leah Thorvalson for sharing her perspective and experiences on Zwift racing. Okay. My next guest is Ashley Mulman Pasio. You probably know Ashley as one of the top female road racers in the world tour. Um, She is also in lockdown in Spain and has been an early adopter or a recent adopter of Zwift racing. In fact, Ashley won the Zwift Classics race on Monday in Bologna, and uh, when I called her up, she had actually just finished doing additional intervals after winning the race, Um, so she turned her 40-minute race into a longer training session, so she was a bit out of breath, but um, we just sort of got into it. So let's catch up with Ashley Moment pasio
2: I was a little bit nervous <laughs> leading up to the race because, you know, I mean, as a pro road cyclist, you know, um, race lining up on the start line of a road race is something we are accustomed to, you know, mm-hmm. so you managed to um, kind of process the nerves and I've gotten to a point in my career where, you know, it's more or less under control, but I have to tell you, I was really nervous before this race because it's an unknown to me, um, I haven't done any Zwift race um, up until up till now. I mean, I've been riding on Zwift um, this entire lockdown period in Spain. So I think it's like three and a half weeks now. And I've had um, some like intro experience joining um, a London Dynamo uh, weekly Saturday ride, which turns out to be a bit of a race with the guys. Um, so London Dynamo is one of the biggest clubs in the UK. So I've had like a little bit of an introduction racing with them. But this was my first proper e-race, you know. So I was nervous. Um, but the good thing is I have raced up the Madonna San Luca before in real life. So I have an idea what it's like. And I tacked in the exact same place I've tacked before in real life. And it worked out. <laughs>
0: How did the effort compare in real life to what you did during the Zwift race?
2: Well, I think the cool thing about Zwift is that, you know, watts don't lie, you know. So your power to weight is your power to weight. And I think the strongest, you know, the strongest person generally wins on the day, especially in a climbing race um, like this. Of course, there are technicalities or technical aspects that come into it with these power-ups and positioning and all that kind of stuff. But I got some really good guidance leading up to the race. But, you know, you have to start fast. So you have to kind of start almost sprinting before, um, like five seconds before the official start, you know, in the front. Um, you know, I lined up early, so I was in the pen and on the second row. Um, and in the beginning, it was it was a bit kind of interesting because, you know, um, it, the pace was kind of on and off, on and off, you know. And you put in an effort, you get to the front, then you try and slow down so you get the benefit of drafting, you kind of go back 20, 20 places. So it took me a little bit of time in the beginning to figure out how to kind of hold my positioning. But, yeah, first time up the climb, you know, I just went nice, steady within myself but kind of a hard pace and it already blew up on that first climb um, and so yeah then we had obviously a group of I think it was 10 of us um, that regrouped after the descent and it was kind of nice sort of steady pace had some time to kind of recover and then of course coming into the climb for the second time it was perfect to be in a smaller group because positioning is that much easier um, yeah and then hitting the climb for the final time I had to kind of keep myself under control in the beginning because I am the type of rider that often gets a bit excited um, too early. But as I said, you know, having raced um, twice before at that climb in real life, I knew that sort of switchback section in the middle of the climb was quite steep. So that's where I put in my move and just held that pace or, or, you know, a really hard pace to the top. So the the last K was hard, um, but it was all worth it in the end. I did my victory salute like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I would usually do on the indoor trainer with um, family watching, family were up watching me on on the bike. So it was pretty cool. I really loved it.
0: That's great. You know, over the last week or so, I myself have been taking a deep dive into Zwift racing and the Zwift community and interviewing lots of people about the differences between Zwift Zwift racing and in-real-life racing and some of the challenges that regular road pros face when they first get into a Zwift race. And you hear these stories of people doing too much work too soon, not getting accustomed to the draft, finding themselves getting beaten by some of these Zwift regulars who really spent a lot of time and effort um, focusing in on the strategy and the race and using the power-ups and everything like that. Yet, here you were, this was your first Zwift race, and you won. I mean, did you receive guidance? Were you reading up on the gamification and some of the nuances of Zwift before you came into this race?
2: Well, of course. I mean, I was part of the, the Rowan King team, so a guest rider on Rowan King. And you know, I know Danny. she obviously has ridden for – for what, you know, now PCC live, but the, the team before, um, you know. So it was really cool um, to have guidance from her. You know, they are experienced, Ro and King, and especially her husband, Matt Rowe, who's one of the with coaches. So for sure, I had really good guidance. Um, we, have a, a, we had a, our race director, um, his name is Ryan, and, and he, we have a WhatsApp group amongst um, a couple of us who are on the team. And they, they've definitely been really helpful in terms of, of giving some advice um, and I must say, you know, having been on Zwift for three and a half weeks now, you know, I've I've gotten into the game. You know, I've really before, if I have to be totally honest, I had a perfect Zwift setup because Zwift actually came to Rockecoba Cycling, our business, um, in December of 2018 to use us for a training camp. So we met the the Zwift crew, um, you know, almost two years ago or over two years ago, and they very kindly set me up with an amazing Zwift setup. But up till this point, I haven't really had to use it you know and it's typical um road pro mentality like if i can train outdoors why am i going to train on an indoor trainer and a lot of us actually possibly have a bit of a negative mindset towards it because indoor training or indoor racing is a different ball game it is harder it's like pure power you know there's nowhere really to hide you know you get the draft and stuff like that but it's raw power and um up till this period before the lockdown i mean my style of riding as as a climber high cadence You know, I'm not necessarily the most powerful um, rider when it comes to raw power. So coming into this lockdown, um, you know, I could have kind of been really negative and and made my life difficult for myself, but I decided right from the start that I'm just going to do my best to make the most of it. And I just threw myself into Zwift and just embraced it for what it is. And very quickly, it just grew on me. I mean, if you really immerse yourself into the game, it's really awesome. I mean, the job they've done with the visuals and the community aspect and the option to, to chat and to do meetups. I mean, my my riding, my training has become more social than it's ever been <laughs> in my entire life, um on Zwift, you know, and the cool thing is you can do these no drop rides where you can do your intervals, but you could be riding with, you know, just someone else on the, in another part of the world that's just going easy with you and keeping you company. Um so you know, I really threw myself into it and then as I said, first introduction to a bit of racing was with the London Dynamo's and that's where I started to kind of get an idea of these power-ups and how to use them and when to use them Um, and then yeah of course at first when I was approached by Rowan King I was a little bit skeptical and wasn't really sure about this e-racing thing and so it took my agent Steve Fry a bit of persuading to get me to really like throw myself into it Um, and I'm just so happy I did it you know so I used it today as part of my training so I kind Continue to do a, a three hour training workout. Um, and it was just so much fun. And now I'm feeling super motivated again. Um, and to be totally honest, like in this three and a half weeks of riding on the indoor trainer, I mean, I did a performance test over the, over the weekend and I've had a huge gains in, in my, my max power and a ramp test. So it's definitely paying off.
0: I've also been impressed with the Zwift community itself and how strong some of the riders are. In interviewing some of the women on the Team Hino squad last week, I was blown away by their numbers, and they were very open and honest. They said, "You know, we're not the best when it comes to pack riding." One of the women had had a bad crash in the past and felt very, you know, she had uh, trepidations about riding in the pack. But as a time trialist and as a Zwift racer, you know, this new this new platform has given her a almost a new career as a cyclist because it is so much based around power and then the gamification of it. You know, as you look at Zwift and now having participated in some of the races, what do you think the the future and the opportunity is for it as both a racing platform and almost as like a spectator sport platform?
2: Well, I must say, I, I hats off to, to Zwift uh, for the job that they've done, because it's, it's really incredible. Um, the platform they've created and just the quality of the imagery and the whole experience, like the feedback I got this evening after this race has been super positive you know family friends you know i actually did a a, a live ccc a ccc live sorry let me actually get my team's name right um meet up uh today on drift this this afternoon and so i rode with 200 women from all across the world with a ladies only ride and um, because it's initiative by live um and you know chit chat and talking about the race and obviously i spoke about the fact that i'm racing you know and then Obviously, they all got on board to watch. My family all were watching. My teammates were watching, um, and the response I've got after this race has been huge. You know, um, so I think people are really embracing it. You know, um, it's it's really. And I've rewatched the race as well, and just seeing it on TV. I mean, obviously, it's avatars, but it's really incredible. Um, so, I think. I think to be honest, I kind of felt like up till this point, I feel like pros road cycling has been a bit slow um to to kind of adapt or adjust to this very very extraordinary period you know um so i feel like road cycling has kind of proven that it's not super agile in terms of 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 adapting and we all kind of know that because it's really traditional um historical you know sport so i've been kind of feeling a bit like frustrated because i've really immersed myself into this into this um, virtual world and I'm feeling a bit frustrated like come on let's get something going because um, having seen the Ronda race the Ronda van Flandre men's race I was like hey when is there going to be a women's race Um, so yeah I think there's really a future for this um, to obviously road cycling is road cycling and it's special and I don't I don't ever want to replace it obviously with e-racing but I think that there's definitely um, a possibility to to incorporate this into the sort of model of of pro cycling um, and to possibly use it at different times of the year, maybe in the off season um, or to use, you know, riders that aren't, you know, some of our teams are quite big, you know, so to give um, other girls opportunities to race that aren't necessarily um, very busy in like, let's say the spring classic season or, so for me, I think it just opens a new world and I'm definitely on board in terms of, of being innovative and, and finding a future. And that maybe it's going to be part of my retirement.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, Ashley, a month or so ago, as the coronavirus pandemic started to spread across more of Europe and the United States, we did see, you know, all these races begin to shut down and there was a lot of uncertainty and, you know, the races in Italy shut down and then entire countries, Italy and Spain, go on lockdown. Take me through your own life during that um, period. Where were you? Um, Did you have to travel anywhere to get back home? And at what point did you start to realize that, you know, the 2020 road season was going to be, you know, forever altered.
2: So, yeah, interestingly enough, you know, uh, we, we have a business in Spain called Roca Corba Cycling, which is a cycling tourism business. And so we kind of heard some murmurs of, of this coronavirus already early in the year because we have an Asian um, group who's supposed to be coming out um, to Spain to stay at Roca Corba later this year in, in um, October time. And so there were some murmurs about it already then, um, you know, and so, you know, we're kind of aware of it. You know, I've been to South Africa, um, you know, for a big chunk of time in the beginning of the year to prepare, prepare for my national championships. And, you know, then kind of coronavirus started to get a little bit more into the news, but it was still quite distant. You know, it didn't really feel like it was anything real. Um, and then coming back to Europe, to Spain and, um, you know, starting to prep for the race season. And I was actually supposed to start my European, um, race season with, um or had blood, and I fell ill, um, so I ended up missing the race. And so then, you know, the focus turned. Okay, don't worry, Ashley. Um, you know, keep focus on on Strada Bianchi. You know, don't let this put you down. Just recover properly. And this is the encouragement the team was giving. me And you know, all focus on Strada Bianchi. And then it started to become, if it if it even happens, you know. So that's when it really started to um, to hit closer and closer to home. But I think that already, even at that stage. I think we were all in denial. You know, we kind of saw it because we'd seen what had happened in China. It had now come to Italy and you saw it was sort of becoming a real thing in Italy, which is that much closer because now it's in Europe. But I think everyone sort of kind of felt like it won't happen to us. You know, Um, it's, it's going to pass over. And then, you know, with the first race um, that really affected me being Stradabianchi being canceled, then you're like, okay, this is heading home. But the first reaction was also like, oh, I think it's an overreaction. And, you know, this is all being blown out of proportion and still in a bit of denial, you know? And so then it, the next step was readjusting our season. So already then it was like, okay, well, I don't usually race the races in Holland, like Ronde van Drenthe, but I need some race races before Flanders, you know, which would be a goal. Um So I'm going to do Ronde van Drenthe. and then Ronde, Ronde van Drenthe is canceled. So then it just started becoming more and more real. And then, um you know, with the lockdown happening in Spain, it was crazy how fast it happened. So, they were like murmurs of it happening um, or rumors started on like the Friday. And literally by that Sunday, it was full lockdown. So within 48 hours, it went from being a rumor to being a reality. And um, that sort of, it was quite a, a sort of rude awakening. And kind of at that time, there was a lot of uncertainty for me um, and my husband, for example, is, you know, do we do we flee? You know, do we run away and go back to South Africa? You know, because then we can potentially continue to train on the road. But at what point is that going to change? You know, is South Africa going to go into lockdown? Um, and so there was a lot of uncertainty. But at the same time, you know, South Africa closed their borders pretty fast as well. So um, Spain went into lockdown on the Sunday, and I think by Tuesday, South Africa closed their borders. Now, of course, we're South Africans, so I suppose we would have been able to have um, entered back into the country, but we would have been in some kind of self-isolation. So we just made the choice. Spain is our home now. It's where our dogs are. We have a new puppy. We don't want to just desert her. My, my dad and stepmom are living on our property, so of course they could look after her. But it was just in this time of uncertainty, I didn't really feel comfortable just leaving all those things that are familiar and provide security to me. So we decided to stay um, in Spain, my husband and I. And I'm really grateful that that we did that because. You know, it really took, I think, South Africa a week or two weeks. After two weeks, after Spain went into lockdown, South Africa went into full lockdown. Um, and I certainly wouldn't have had the same amazing setup, you know, for for Zwift and indoor training as what I have at home in Spain. So I'm very grateful. I mean, we live on a on a big property. rocker Corva Cycling is on a big estate, 35 hectare estate um, in Spain. So. Uh, just outside of Girona. so we have a lot of space around us, and I have a beautiful big room upstairs in, in the main villa, you know, with a big screen TV and my indoor setup. And I actually have a a big picture of Daryl Impey um, hung up on the wall, you know, winning his Tour de France stage. Because after the Tour de France last year, he did a celebration here to celebrate his stage win. So I have constant motivation of Daryl, you know, with his victory salute. And yeah, as I said, I just I made a conscious decision to try to make the best of my circumstances. You know, I've, I've had to overcome a fair number of challenges in my life, you know, before from, you know, a, a serious head injury when I was 17 years old um, to, you know, the hip fracture um, in 2016, you know, amongst many other challenges. So I know what it's like to have to overcome challenges. So I decided, you know, what have I learned through all of this in life? I've, I've learned to try and always focus on the positives because there's something positive in everything. So I, I made the decision early on, okay, indoor training isn't my favorite thing. Um, I'm not necessarily super strong when it comes to indoor training. So all I had to do is I had a chat with my coach, um, Dan Laurent, who's a, a coach for – he's the head coach for a hands grower. And he was super um, supportive from the beginning. You know, he was realistic and he told me, Ashley, you know, you, you're going to have to be realistic here. You have to drop your power numbers to begin with. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. We're going to reduce your volume a little bit by 20 to 30%. Um, and, you know, let's just try and work through this and work on, on your weaknesses. And so I just threw myself in, got going on Zwerft, very quickly started to figure out how fun it can be, you know, with the meetups and group rise and, um, started off, um, you know, just joining some tour of Autopia stages. Then I led a tour of Autopia stage for Zwerft. Um, you know, and then I started joining or oh, getting invited to meetups. Then I started joining the London Dynamos on Saturday. Then I I ended up with my own you know CCC live um, ride every Monday at five o'clock, and yeah, it's just one thing to the next, and landed up racing this evening, and yeah, absolutely loving it. So yeah, I've tried to be positive through it all, and then at at the at the same time, it's been really amazing to see how I've improved. So having dropped my power numbers in the beginning, over the three and a half weeks that I've been training indoors, they they've they're kind of sneaking up, you know, so I'm getting better and better and stronger and stronger. So I know that I'm, I'm developing a weakness of mine. And that is sort of pushing, learning to really push power um, and not just rely on, on power to weight. And then having done a performance test this past um, Friday and actually seeing, you know, for myself in real life, how my VO2 max has, has increased, you know, I've, I've gained almost 40 Watts. So, you know, it's motivating and then today to win the race it really felt good you know obviously it wasn't a real road win but um, i was super excited threw my hands up in the air had family watching and celebrating with me so it was fun i really enjoyed it
0: Well, that's a great story and kudos to you. I mean, uh, you know, where we are in the U S, we are in, I guess, what you would call partial lockdown and that, you know, most people are working from home, but we're like where I am in Colorado, we're still able to go outside and, you know, ride our bicycles by ourselves and go hiking and enjoy the out of doors by ourselves. But as our listeners know from hearing Andy Hood, our Spain based correspondent, um, you know, Spain is very much in lockdown. It's, it is no riding outside. Yeah. It is no going outside for fresh air and, and having fun. And I feel like in situations like that, it would be very easy to um, to get depressed and to get upset. I mean, you're living in this beautiful part of the world that has amazing roads and has great training and you're confined to staying indoors. Um, do, you have any, do you have any advice for listeners out there who may be trying to motivate themselves to train indoors, to wrap their heads around Zwift or just indoor training when they've been used to riding out uh, outside for most of the time.
2: Yeah, well I mean, you know, every day I get on on my my bike on my indoor setup, I look out the window and I have a beautiful view of the beautiful countryside in Girona. I actually live at, literally at the base of of the, the climb. So, you know, I'm literally on the doorstep of of cycling paradise, you know, when it comes to outdoor cycling and but I've, you know, I think the big thing here is as I said is to always just try and focus on the positives and I know that sounds like a little bit cliche but there's always something to take out of it you know so like in my case I decided okay let me work on my weakness like I know I'm not particularly good on the indoor trainer so let's let's work on that let's work on that raw power because it is going to be of benefit when finally I get to to ride outdoors again Um so that's what I've tried to do I've tried to focus on building um, or working on a weakness and just trying to find the positive you know and it's definitely helped to have a platform, obviously like Swift, because you know it's also opened a totally new world to me in terms of the the networking and the community you know that you can build you know all around the world. so I've always kind of had this like blue sky vision you know around the, our rocker core recycling project where I thought you know it would be so cool to have um, like little well not little but um like a physical setup in sort of big city centers where it's really difficult for people potentially to go out in the week and ride their bike, you know, because they're time constrained and maybe they live in a busy city. city. And I thought, well, if we could have these like centers in these big um, cities where there's whip setups for everyone and people can come and ride on, on the indoor trainers together. And then for example, train and prepare, you know, in training to come out here to Roccoba cycling to do the Roccoba climb, that would be super cool, you know, but it was always this blue sky vision and, you know, it's kind of um, a bit hard to to realize because that all takes money and capital and all these type of things to set up. But what's just become evident to me through this whole lockdown is, you don't even need that. You don't need physical um, setups anywhere in the world because you just need to climb on your bike at home on the indoor trainer, and you can meet up with people all around the world in this amazing virtual world. You know, of utopia or or London, or New York, um, you know, so I've just seen it from a personal perspective, you know, obviously representing CDC Live, I'm doing a weekly meetup, which I'm going to continue to do even after the lockdown, because I just see how powerful it is, you know, riding with these women on a weekly basis, and just, you know, giving them some motivation, and just chatting to them, giving them some advice around nutrition, or whatever they want to know. And then on, on a personal um, capacity with our business, Rocker Corp Recycling, I do a weekly ride, on Sundays with guests who couldn't make it or guests that have been in the past. And just the opportunity to, to engage and to, and to network and to build community um, in this virtual world is really quite amazing. So for me, like I have gained something, you know, through this, through this lockdown. Um, so I think that's just, that's the message to everyone is that there is always something, you know, to gain out of it. But it sometimes is a little bit hard to see it in the beginning. So it's just about trying to find that positive, whether it's, you know, for me, building a weakness on the bike and then learning how to engage with with the world in in the virtual world. Or whether it's getting a little bit fitter or, I don't know, um, learning a a new language in this. Or There's something, you know, and you've just got to try and focus on that positive thing and then make the most out of it.
0: Well, great. Well, Ashley, again, it was very thrilling to watch you win the Swift race today. Uh, where can listeners find out more about your um, your regular rides? Where they, where can they uh, where can they learn to you know find out where to ride with you?
2: Well, so I have a regular ladies only ride, um, which is a, a live initiative. So um, it's listed on um, the the Swift events. It's every uh, Monday at five PM CET and eight AM PDT. Um, so that's listed on, on the regular Zwift events. If you go and look on the Zwift events, um, and then the ride that I do for Rock Cycling is a personal meetup, um, that I just set up, you know, with people that I've, that we've obviously met through our business or people that I'm meeting on the, on the social world. Um, so that's not an official event yet. But hopefully, maybe it could become an official event in the future. And then, of course, anyone can join.
0: Well, thanks again, Ashley. And congratulations on the win. That was uh, a lot of fun to watch. And best of luck with the Zwift racing in the future.
2: Thank you so much. And thanks for the chat. All right. Sorry, I can I, I talk a lot. so Oh,
0: that's why I love talking to you. so I make it a point to talk to you at all the races. You, you do talk a lot. And you have great things to say. <laughs> I know it's been, I mean, like I said, I've been trying to wrap my head around this whole thing too, and um, yeah, the the different people I've met, and like how strong some of these women are, and how like you know they have regular jobs and kids and these regular lives, but they're these great Swift racers, and you know they have these interesting backstories, or some of these people who are doing really freaky stuff on Swift, like riding for you know thirty hours or whatever. <laughs> it's
2: like yeah,
0: you know, it's this whole crazy. it's this whole group of people, and you know, Velo News, we've been so focused on road cycling, mountain biking, whatever, that the whole Zwift thing, we've we've written about it more from a tech perspective, but not from like a culture and racing perspective. So this whole shutdown has finally enabled me to like uh, meet some of these people and talk to them. And and it's been really cool. It's been fun.
2: Yeah, cool. We're all learning something new through (laughs) this (laughs) process.
0: Right on. Well, I hope to see you uh, at a regular road bike race uh, very soon.
2: Yeah, I hope so too. And take care and stay safe.
0: You too. Take care. Bye-bye.